Ruben, uh, good to have you on. Uh, Ruben Alvarez Jr., our regular contributor, is on, and we're going to talk about this uh, immigration policy known as uh, Title 42 set to expire tomorrow uh, and the influx that we expect at the U.S.-Mexico border and what to do about that in a moment. Uh, but, Ruben, I must tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm still seething, and Connie Rice is still seething. I was just saying to J.D. and Miles, if you if you know Connie as I do, and you know, they don't know the way I know her, but I've known Connie for years, and Connie's always erudite, and I don't use that word lightly or loosely or just with anybody, but she's just that brilliant. Uh, but today I could tell in that conversation with Connie that she was, uh, uh, she's peeved, and I'm putting it nicely for, for family radio. I could just tell by the responses, uh, the, the, the curt uh, nature of that conversation, and not, nothing about me, but I could just tell that she is just, she's over it. She is over it when it comes to one Donald Trump, and I'm over it. Um, because none of this stuff seems to stick to him. He's not going to prison uh, after being found guilty of, of this assault. But here's the, here's, the, here's the question I want to come to you on, because you've appeared on CNN over the course of your career. I used to work at CNN. Connie's been on CNN. We've all been on CNN in our careers. And Connie and I close with this conversation, Ruben, that I want to take your temperature on before we move forward. And I'm asking you this specifically because uh, we've known each other for 30 years and our politics are never necessarily aligned on uh, on many things. And yet we're friends and brothers. Uh, Connie is a progressive. I'm a progressive. You are uh, the host of Ruben in the Center, your podcast. We know what your politics are. But I want to get your take on this. Um, CNN, Connie said, has lost their freaking mind to be giving Donald Trump two hours tonight live in prime time for this town hall the day after this verdict. Um, and Connie's point was that the mainstream media is doing what they did. They're doing, they're doing it all over again. They're teeing Donald Trump up to be the presumptive nominee, to be the nominee. They're teeing him up to win the election. Uh, they have not had enough yet of Donald Trump. So they give him two more hours tonight, essentially live on CNN in prime time. Connie's, Connie's not having it. I'm not having it. I think CNN is wrong to do this. Um, and yet I'm trying to trying to balance that with his right to free speech and the notions that uh, the mainstream media, the responsibility, rather, the mainstream media does have to cover the presidential race. Let me pause. How do you read any of all of this? Wow. Okay, great. Thank you for that. So that, I got it, and um, and thank you again for having me on. So I, I, it's a complicated take. I mean, on the one hand, I, I agree 100% with Connie that they're doing this all over again, that we have seen this script play out before. The, the reason, ask Marco Rubio, ask Ted Cruz, ask Rand Paul, ask uh, Chris Christie, ask any Republican who ran against Trump. Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush, yeah. Jeb Bush. Yeah. If they think that that nomination wasn't handed to Trump by the New York media, CNN included. Uh, back then, they were friendly with Trump, and they would say things like Donald. They'd refer to him as Donald. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember Aaron Burnett uh, getting in, uh, in a car, going over to Trump Tower to interview him. You know, with all the gold fixtures and stuff, Donald this and Donald that. And so, yeah, for sure, there's a sense that history is repeating itself in a very bad way. The other part of that, though, is it's really hard to say, Tavis, as a practitioner, as someone who, you know, Connie is not a practitioner. She's not a producer of content. She's not a journalist and she's not someone in the media. She's a lawyer. And God bless her. But as a content provider, as someone who owns a radio station, you've got to understand how happy they are at CNN this morning. Because the timing <laughs> that this uh, town hall happens to happen, occur the day after yeah. the verdict comes in. I mean, just from a purely mercenary media folk, 
this is it doesn't get any better than this. Yep. For CNN. So CNN looks very wise in that regard. So it's probably not good for the country, but it is good for CNN. It's great for CNN, um, and this is why uh, people believe yeah. in conspiracy theories. <laughs> That's This is why they believe in conspiracy theories, because there's no way that many people believe <laughs> that CNN just happened to know the day, the exact day after yes. the verdict right. they'd have him for a live town hall. <laughs> this is why Negroes believe in conspiracy theories, and I ain't mad at them. Um, if, if they had a crystal ball, brother, if CNN had a crystal ball this good, they wouldn't be losing money and laying off people. No, I take your point. I, ta- I take your point. Um, so so what, what, do, what do you think, what, what do you make of, how would you frame the debate that's already started that you know is going to ensue about what CNN did being irresponsible? Because they, they, here's my point. Here's my point. Yeah. Here's my point. It was scheduled, and let's say they just had the luck of the draw and pulled the right date. But they could cancel this thing. They could very well say after after Donald Trump was found guilty of sexual assault yesterday, we are not in good conscience going to move forward with this live town hall and give him a platform for the nation and the world to see him. Let me let me let me let me, let me complicate it even more. I was just talking again to Miles and J.D. during the break about an article in the L.A. Times the other day I haven't had a chance to get to yet about Jonathan Majors, the, the brilliant actor who everybody knows, who became, it seems like an overnight sensation, two hit movies out at the same time, uh, the Marvel Project and the Creed Project. The brother just took off, and it seems as if overnight Jonathan Majors became, Jonathan Majors became the biggest star in Hollywood. Here's my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan yeah. Majors ain't been found guilty of nothing yet. He has not gone to trial yet. He has said repeatedly, I did not do this. And all yeah. of Hollywood has walked away from this black man named Jonathan Majors. Yeah. His agency yeah. has dropped him. His representatives have dropped him. He's been canceled from films. Everybody is running away from Jonathan Majors like a Negro running from the police. That's how they're treating Jonathan Majors. He ain't been found guilty of nothing yet. Donald Trump was found guilty of sexual assault yesterday, and his reward is two hours of prime time on CNN. You tell me, Ruben, how that makes any sense. As you were talking about Jonathan Majors, I had this weird sense of deja vu. I've heard this story before. You know, I've heard this story many, many times in terms of a rush to judgment when the accused is is a person of color, a man of color. Yep. Uh, and and black man in particular. Uh, and it often often becomes sort of a pretext for attacking somebody who they didn't like in the first place. Mm-hmm. They they say they're punishing him or holding him accountable for B when they're really punishing him for A. Never say it out loud. They never say what this is really about, and the media is famous for that. <laughs> uh, they, they give one one explanation. Uh, what's really something else? But um, but to your point about the unfairness of it, I think we need to look at this differently. I think it's a good thing that CNN is doing this. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. I will watch this now in a way that I might not have watched. Uh, if you asked me yesterday or the day before, because here's why: as evidenced by t- Trump's comments about. Gene Carroll, before was brought, and after the verdict was delivered, Trump is his own worst enemy. Let him talk on CNN. He will hang himself. He will step on it. He will say things he shouldn't say. His, his popularity will not rise as a result of what's happening on CNN. It will drop. I think it's short-sighted for the Trump critics, of which I am one, to think somehow that CNN could cancel the event tonight and still, still manage to not cover him somehow in the next year or so. They're not going to 
cover him in New Hampshire? When are they going to draw the line? They're going to cover him sooner or later. He's running for president, and he's the leader in the polls as Republicans go. Lastly, this is not a bad night for Joe Biden. Tonight is a bad night for Nikki Haley, for Chris Christie, for any other Republican who, uh, Asa Hutchinson, any other Republican who's running for president is pulling their hair out now because they wish they had those two hours that Trump is getting. So think about that. My my heart doesn't break for the Republican Party. Yeah, I think, uh, and I'll move on to talk about this immigration issue that we have to talk about because there may be all hell breaking loose tomorrow at the U.S.-Mexico border when Title 42 is set to expire. Um, I would only make this as a, as a final, offer this as a final response and retort. I think there's a distinct difference, not even a fine line, a dramatic difference um, between covering a candidate and cowering to a candidate. Covering a candidate is one thing. Cowering to that candidate is another thing. Now, you have to decide whether or not you think CNN giving him two hours tonight the day after is covering him or cowering to him. CNN offered these two hours to Donald Trump. He didn't pay. He ain't paying for it. They're giving him primetime coverage tonight. So are they covering him or are they cowering to him? I digress. More when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. Ruben, uh, Ruben uh, indulge me just right quick here. We'll get to the immigration piece. Uh, from one sicko to another sicko, from Donald Trump to George Santos, you saw the news that he's uh, now in custody? I did, and those are serious charges. You're talking about, uh, you know, money fraud, some other things, financial stuff. We're going to bring him down ultimately. I've said all along, if this were just about lying to constituents, join the club. All politicians do that, Republican and Democrat alike. And and God knows that black folks and brown folks have been lied to a lot by Democrats over the years. Uh, but but this is different. This is different. When they start digging into things and, and they found. Uh, a lot of alleged financial impropriety, that may ultimately be what brings them down. Yep. Uh, in case you haven't heard, federal prosecutors have filed criminal charges against New York New York Representative uh, George Santos, the Republican lawmaker whose astonishing pattern of lies and fabrications stunned even hardened politicians. Um, um, so he is uh, in custody now, we are told. Uh, so they are finally uh, bringing uh, George Santos uh, to accountability. We'll follow that story in the days ahead. Uh, as I said, from one sicko to another, now back to uh, Ruben Navarrete, who I would never call a sicko. <laughs> 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 but, 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 okay, uh, but, 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 but others have. I was going to say others have. I never <laughs> would. All right. Watching my time, you Title 42, tell the audience what Title 42 is and what you expect, what many expect to happen tomorrow when it expires. Okay. So contrary to uh, some really bad reporting by the media, uh, and they've muddied the water some, Title 42 was not created by Donald Trump. It was created in the 1940s uh, to allow U.S. government officials to keep out foreigners uh, to contain and, and limit the spread of, uh, spread of infectious diseases uh, So, for public health reasons. Mm-hmm. What Donald Trump did in 2020 under COVID was he seized on, very opportunistically, he seized on the existence of Title 42 uh, to issue an order that would say that ultimately you could use Title 42 as an excuse, a pretext, to keep out uh, people he wanted to keep out anyway, where a bunch of uh, people coming along the southern border, not from Mexico, mind you, mm-hmm. but from Colombia, Venezuela, uh, Nicaragua, Central and South America, in many cases, and, and also the Haitians, as we know, were coming along the southern border. And ultimately, when Joe Biden was campaigning for president, Biden said, speaking of lying, Joe Biden said, if you elect me, I promise to end Title 42. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to end the, 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 the use of Title 42 to do what Trump is doing. He gets elected. He doesn't do that. He breaks the promise. He keeps it in place. He says, this is kind of nifty. I get a chance to avoid these terrible scenes on the evening news of Haitian immigrants coming into the United States, Haitian refugees being beat by people on horseback. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like those images, he says. So we can keep the Haitians there. We can make them remain in Mexico. So put the Haitians in Mexico, he says. And so he keeps it in place. It was a federal judge, Tavis, a federal judge named Emmett Sullivan in Washington, who uh, in November, uh, about now six, seven months ago, said, hey, this is BS. Well, we've, we've now done away with COVID restrictions. We've opened up the schools and the movie houses and the restaurants. And all of a sudden you say we're going to keep Title 42 in place because of COVID? So the judge says BS on that. He uh, ends Title 42's application in this way. It all comes due tomorrow. Mm. So tomorrow, um, in anticipation of what may happen, hundreds of U.S. troops have arrived at the border uh, as migrants' anxieties rise ahead of Title 42's expiration. When we come forward in our remaining moments with Ruben Navarrete Jr., I'm going to ask him, Um, what he makes of these hundreds of troops that have now been positioned at the border, even as we speak, in anticipation of Title 42 coming to an end tomorrow. Uh, Is there going to be some drama at the U.S.-Mexico border? Uh, We'll get his take on that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Conversations that matter. Matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ruben Alvarez Jr. on KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, So, Ruben, um, we've already established that Title 42 expires tomorrow. I've already uh, made the point that hundreds of U.S. troops uh, are literally lined up on the border today for what's expected to be a crush, a push uh, at the the border. Um, Your thoughts on what will happen tomorrow and whether or not we're going to sadly see some ugly images like we saw and like you referenced earlier with those uh, Border Patrol agents on horseback uh, essentially, you know, appear, appearing to, to be whipping these Haitians. You will, and you will, and some of the people coming across will be from Haiti because they haven't gone back to Haiti. They've still been in Mexico this whole time. They were remain in Mexico. So some of those Haitians are trying to get across now. They'll try to get across tomorrow. What basically happens as of midnight tonight is that the government is no longer able to use Title 42 to keep people out under this dishonest pretext uh, because COVID has been lifted. COVID restrictions have been lifted elsewhere. And so, yeah, we're going to see that kind of drama. It's important to keep in mind, Tavis, a few things. The the numbers are huge. We're talking about an estimate on CNN of 150,000 people who are coming through Mexico from the southern border through Guatemala uh, to come in with a goal of going to the United States. Mm -hmm. Huge numbers. The other thing to keep in mind is that when people send troops to the border, it's mostly political uh, symbolism. It's not going to do any good. It's not going to do any good for two reasons. One is they instruct the troops not to uh, have any interaction with the immigrants themselves. The troops are there theoretically to help free up some of the Border Patrol duties so the Border Patrol agents can go down to the border and interact with the the migrants themselves. You're not going to see troops with bayonets and guns pushing back on Haitians. That's the point. The other thing is the numbers involved. Uh, Governor Abbott from Texas sent 10,000 state National Guard troops down there, state, state Guard troops down there. Uh, and Joe Biden has said 1,500. There's already 2,500 down there. We have 14,000 troops down the border, mm. and we still have a 2,000-mile border. Yeah. So even if you had 20,000 troops down there, that's only 10 agents for every mile. You can't, you can't send enough troops down there to police a 2,000-mile border is the point. So we got to get real about fixing this immigration problem. 
and, and creating legal means for people to come here, get processed, roll the dice, get a hearing. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not found uh, as a legitimate asylum claim in your hearing, then you have to go back. But what Joe Biden and what Donald Trump and what Republicans and Democrats alike these days seem to agree on is that they shouldn't even have a hearing. Mm-hmm. These Haitians deserve a hearing. Yep. They deserve to have a shot in court. And Joe Biden and Donald Trump have found something they agree on. Mm. Don't give them a hearing. Let, let me ask you this. I'm watching my clock. We've got about two minutes left here. Um, you, you put your finger on it. I want to just come to it more directly and more expressly. And, it, and that is this notion of what pressure, to the extent that it does, what pressure will this put on, on, on politicians, to your point, Republicans and Democrats in Congress, to finally do something about addressing meaningful immigration reform? Um, do you think this is that moment? It could be because nothing else has, has gotten us here, right? Uh, immigration reform has been incredibly difficult, almost impossible to achieve because it pits the, uh, the American workers' interests against uh, corporate interests and, and whites and Latinos at different points. Uh, points and the Democratic Party is split. The Republican Party is split. Uh, there's a civil war in each party over this issue. It's very difficult. This may be something that focuses the mind and actually forces them to try to get something done. From your mouth to God's ears, my friends, uh, it's about time we uh, had some meaningful immigration reform in this country, and we we shall see what this drama, uh, this ensuing, this uh, potential drama tomorrow will do for meaningful immigration reform in this country. He is the most widely read Latino columnist in the nation, courtesy of his Washington Post uh, column, uh, and, uh, of course, host of the very popular Ruben in the Center podcast. He is Ruben Navarrete Jr. Ruben, as always, good to talk to you. We'll do it again soon, my friend. Stay strong. Take care. Love you, brother. Love you back, man. All the best to you. Uh, When we come forward uh, in the next two hours, two great hours in front of us, in our next hour, a lot of economic news uh, in this week, including some news this morning uh, about uh, interest rates and inflation. Uh, We'll talk to Dr. Julianne Malveaux in our second hour about money, money, money. And then in our third hour, in case you didn't hear, uh, we're going to talk about this Cleopatra uh, controversy. So this uh, four-part docudrama, on Netflix is out. Uh, it's underway. It's called C- uh, Queen Cleopatra, produced by Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, and um, there's a lot of controversy. It's all over Twitter. There's a storm everywhere. Uh, and the ultimate question is whether or not Cleopatra was black uh, or not uh, and why that should matter. We'll talk about that with a noted scholar in our third hour today. Two more great hours in front of us of Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk.